I'm Kathy. I'm Ashley. I'm La. And this is the Better Than Seven Sons podcast, where we get real about our experiences as Hmong Christian women. Welcome back to our episode. So this week we're sharing about our leadership experiences and stories. And so one of the first things that I wanted to ask you guys is when you believed you were a leader, like when did that happen and who affirmed you and who didn't affirm you? I don't recall anyone ever telling me I was a leader when I was younger. At least nothing comes to mind. I don't think it was until I went to college when I felt like there were just multiple times where people would make suggestions for me to maybe take on a leadership role or they would sort of encourage me, not not like really strongly at all. Um, but the issue with that for me, or like the reason why it wasn't super effective because I didn't take on a leadership role for a long time um, while I was in college too, but I felt like people would say like, you should like, take this leadership role or whatever but they never really say why I should or like what they saw in me so it was mm. it was never really convincing like I didn't believe I was a leader because people didn't say why I had like this random experience with this guy in college I I didn't really know him but I interacted with him a little bit and we played checkers together and he was he asked <laughs> me what my zodiac sign was and so <laughs> I told him I was a Leo and then he wasn't surprised because he's like, oh, because you're like a leader or something. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know I don't know why that stood out for me or like why I remember that because it's just so random. Because, I mean, I don't believe that all Leos are leaders. Like, that's just... <laughs> um, but there's something about it that like stuck with me because I think that was actually during a time when actually thinking back, I was already in a leadership role, but then I didn't quite believe that I was a leader, even though I had a leadership role. But for some reason, this guy, in just the short interaction, because I don't think he was just saying that, like, oh, you're a Leo, then you must be a leader. Like, it was like, oh, that makes sense with what I'm experiencing about you right now. That's mm. what I heard behind his words. And so that kind of stood out to me. I don't think he said why he thought I was a leader. I don't, I don't really remember. But yeah, random story. But then for some reason, I always remembered it. My first leadership role was in college, so something led me to being a leader. I don't know. I can't remember or think of what exactly. I do know that when I first took on my leadership role, I was actually going through like this really weird time <laughs> when I had to make a decision about becoming a leader. So I, I have no idea why I became a leader, um, mm. but I did. And also through my leadership, there were times where I, people did tell me why they saw um, leadership qualities in me or why they, they think I would I make a good leader. Um, and so that was helpful. Um, but my first two years that I was in any leadership role, it was a role that was hard for me to accept about myself um, as a leader. Can I ask what contributed to not feeling like or believing that you were a leader even though you held leadership positions? just not having a right vision of what a leader is because I think a leader looks a certain way. And so if I didn't feel like I fit that description, then I wasn't a leader. But also I know like being a leader is kind of scary and 
if I'm scared to do something, I probably won't do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those are probably the reasons. Hmm. Hmm. What about you, Ashley? My leadership experience and journey is very interesting. Um, I'm very like confident in my abilities to do things. So I think very naturally others saw that and like would think of me as a leader. I think when I felt like I was actually a leader was probably in college when mm. I started to kind of like think about leadership beyond doing things or solving mm. problems, but thinking of more what is leadership intersecting with who I am as a person and like what I lead out of and so college was the time when I was exploring that I don't know if I quite felt that until maybe full-time ministry because I think full-time ministry uh challenged me to stop like toying with the (laughs) the idea and exploring it and then like actually immersing immersing myself immersing myself into who I who I am as a leader yeah, I feel like I really didn't believe in my leadership until probably full-time ministry, actually. And so people who kind of... Uh, there were a lot of people who really did encourage me um, in leadership roles and in my leadership development. Just too many to name. But a lot of them were women, I will say that. <laughs> uh, and you two as well. <laughs> and oh, I thought you said YouTube. So <laughs> no, no, you too, you too. You too, Kathy and Law. <laughs> um, I had a confused face for a while. <laughs> I was like, which YouTube videos are you watching? <laughs> okay. Such empowerment from YouTube. No. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's <laughs> okay. Affirmation people who, from people? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Affirmation from people. I luckily I feel like I received well from the women uh women of color uh who definitely affirmed that but yeah I think that's a little bit my journey and like in leadership yeah I feel like similar to to law I've always I feel like ever since college like college was when I felt like I was invited to be in leadership positions for the first time. But even though I held a lot of leadership positions since college, I've never really, I don't think I've really believed that I was a leader until I was in my 30s, to be honest. Um, Like really, truly believed it. Um, I think I always questioned whether or not I was a leader, even holding those positions because of the imposter syndrome and because of like all the different dynamics that we've been talking about in the previous episodes. And so I think part of it, a lot of it was like a lot of internal battles that I was wrestling through, even as I was like holding these positions and like I was doing a job or I was um, creating stuff or as I was like completing tasks, I've always struggled internally. And I wonder if it's because not just the imposter syndrome and the different dynamics that we've talked about, but like in the spaces that I've been, there hasn't necessarily been a model of like Hmong American women, Hmong American Christian women within the church or in full-time ministry in our type of like ministry to like look to for examples or to to either like see if I was failing or succeeding. Not that that's like super important, but like I just didn't, I felt like I didn't have a model to look at. And so I wonder if it was 
it was that, but also like oftentimes in the spaces that we were in, like we, we were often the only Hmong woman. And so, um, and we didn't take a traditional, like, I think if you grew up in the church, there's like a, there's a path that's encouraged. You go to Bible college and because I didn't take that route, I think that I always felt like an outsider or I always felt like I'm not, I'm not your quote unquote typical leader. And even like, even as I was being encouraged or invited to be a leader in certain spaces, it was unfamiliar to me. So it's like, oh, am I, am I really a leader? So I think I didn't start believing that I was a leader until years of experience and then seeing the impact of that and realizing, oh, like I actually have a responsibility and I need to own it. Otherwise I could do real damage. Or I can't also, like, also by, like, not owning up to, like, mistakes that I could have done as a leader or I have done as a leader. And so part of it was, like, oh, I realize I have a responsibility as a leader. Yeah, but I, I don't think I was ever, similar to you, La, I don't think I was ever, I never really received the affirmation or I never really heard the specifics. But through invitation by people of, like, you should consider this or you would be good for this, but not necessarily knowing why. I think that's how I came to holding leader positions. I'm wondering, Kathy, because you you have more than a decade of leadership experience, but then not feeling like a leader the whole time mm-hmm. until your mid thirties. How do you reconcile with that, or what? How have you processed that uh, that experience, and how does that maybe even shape your leadership now? I mean, I think that. <laughs> Since I'm almost done with my sabbatical, I think (laughs) finally getting a sabbatical uh, has helped me a lot to be able to reflect like that space and time. And I think that I'm still trying to figure that out, like and trying to reconcile that. I don't know. I think a lot of it is mourning Mm -hmm. um, the tension that I felt and being able to name like, why did I feel this way? What contributed to that and how that affected my leadership? mourning I don't know the the sense of not feeling like I met expectations whether they were there or not and therefore that that made me feel like I wasn't a leader I don't know I think I'm still trying to like name all those things Mm -hmm. because I think that what I feel is deep sadness and I think that even though I didn't really realize this in the process I think my passion has always been to create spaces for people to be developed and so I think that I've always felt that gap, even though I've never really could name exactly what that was. And I, through that gap, it became a value of my leadership. And so I led in that way, but I never really knew that, like, it impacted me that way. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Ashley, you said that a lot of women have affirmed you. Are there, uh, and this is for the for all of us, like, are there other people that have affirmed or not affirmed you that has impacted your leadership? The things I would receive from not all men, but most men, um, was kind of like a like a like a head tilt. So I, I like a lot of like indirect mm. communication. I was thinking like, oh, they're not very approving, but they're not going to say anything, um, especially when I like especially when I started full-time ministry and when I would say that I would give talks and I would speak um again the head tilt like oh interesting it's like okay so like I think that especially when it came from men in authority who would do that kind of like head tilt like 
oh okay there hope you're having fun like <laughs> that's kind of what I would uh internalize and receive and so in some ways I became really dull to like the opinions of men and whatever they had to think about what I was doing and I, I received that a little bit too when I did hold leadership roles when I was like in youth uh, but not as strongly as probably I did now um much older so there's some instances um which like really direct instances when like I just someone would flat out say like I don't agree with that and I'm just like okay well thank you <laughs> bye I'm gonna head out <laughs> um <laughs> and so uh and then I I have also received affirmations um, from women. I've also received like not not like direct affirmations from other women as well. And so I kind of hit like a whole spectrum, both mm. like not just Hmong and not just white. So it's like mm. all over. And so I kind of like I kind of understand each person's background and why they might think that, and just kind of like okay, well that's what you think moving on <laughs> um because everyone ha- is informed in different ways especially in my worlds there's so many different perspectives and so at some point being biracial just kind of like well that's your perspective and i hold dual perspective sometimes and mm. that's where i stand and i kind of don't let either or binary kind of like limit me in yeah. how i understand even myself and my leadership because they don't live my life they've not walked in my shoes as a biracial Hmong woman in ministry and so it took a while for me to get to that point of confidence though (laughs) um so yeah and there are some people who are very affirming of who I am and what I do and have empowered me so much that like it actually feels uncomfortable (laughs) and yeah and so there's there's that extreme too where I was like well that's I feel so seen and so heard it makes me feel uncomfortable (laughs) Mm. um but I was like I wonder if this is what white men feel all the time (laughs) um and so especially when i gave my when i actually did uh preach for the first time and um it was actually after the sunday after it was announced the pandemic and i'm like oh my god i'm this woman (laughs) preaching and everyone's every other like person's probably every other pastor's probably gonna be preaching about like hope or something and here i am preaching on the book of ezra (laughs) and like i prepared so much for it and that was the night before it was saturday and it was actually my birthday i'm like panicking i was like what do i do what do i do <laughs> but i was like i really feel like god chose this book like two weeks in advance and i was like okay i'm just gonna go with it but it turned out to be like actually really good and i actually really enjoyed that experience and up front like i felt like imposter syndrome as i was up there i was like ah like i feel like i have to work through so much just to be present up here <laughs> yeah and I, would, I was panicking but once i started talking i started feeling much more comfortable and i felt like i could exposit well and preach well on what i was doing so that was pretty fun the the congregation was really like affirming of what i did say and like just my presence up there and the stories i shared as well so it felt good to receive that mm. i don't remember a lot of people speaking against my leadership, which doesn't mean it didn't happen, but I don't really have any memory right now of it. Even around the Hmong men in college or other Asian Americans, at least I wasn't, just wasn't in spaces where people would voice that. But it was mostly like my peers who were affirming and they would like tell me what they saw in me and why I could be a leader. And a lot of the things they said wasn't 
what I thought were qualities of a leader or like things that would qualify me to be a leader. But then a lot of the things they said were very meaningful to me and it helped me to to have a little bit better understanding of who I was and helped me feel valuable and felt like I had something to give and contribute to the community. So yeah, and I think over time through my leadership and learning more about leadership, that helped me to begin learning how to lead out of who I am. It didn't happen until later too, <laughs> but um, yeah. being encouraged to learn more about myself, my personality, my tendencies, my ethnic identity, and how all that influences how I lead, um, that was really helpful to know that and to do those things. So that broadened my ideas of leadership and it was affirming because it helped me to know that I had something to offer to the community. So I don't remember a lot of specifics either. And similar to you, Ashley, I feel like there weren't necessarily like direct like affirmations or like direct like shutting down. But I think one of the experiences I specifically remember that I'll always remember, I think, is um, I was probably in the second year of full time ministry and we were on our way to summer camp, chapter camp at the end of the school year. And um, this was also the time because we were starting a ministry, we wanted to build relationships with the Hmong church as a whole and to help build bridges for high school students to go to college and growing in their faith. And I remember one of our white colleagues, he was in conversations with Hmong male pastors who was a part of um, hosting the big biannual conferences during the summer for youth. And I don't remember if it was exactly for the youth or young adults at that time. But I remember him saying like, oh yeah, we were invited to do a workshop and you, Kathy and La, are, can go with me and you guys can be a part of it. And I remember you and I thinking like, really? <laughs> like, really? Are you sure? And he's like, yeah, like for sure this time. And you and I were already skeptical. And so we're like, okay, sure, whatever. Like, maybe this will be the time that we get to teach. And I remember I was on our way to camp with two of our other white colleagues. Um, on the way there, we figured that we, we realized that I was going to be mentored by the male colleague. And so we had to like think of a plan because we didn't realize that he was going to be mentoring me that week in teaching um, a specific course and uh, on the way there I got either a call or an email from our other colleague that was in conversation with the Hmong pastors and he's like oh I heard back from them and they decided that you guys can't teach with me and even though I knew that was gonna happen it was weird for me because and I think I still felt disappointed because of the combination of the layers of like being rejected by your own people while at the same time being embraced by your white male colleague that's going to be helping you teach the next week because I was a young minister at that time and him fully embracing it. But then feeling like I also felt like a token <laughs> because again, like there's not a lot of Hmong full-time ministers in, in our vocation. And so that always hits me. And I always remember that experience because I feel like my identity had a lot to do with being affirmed and not affirmed. <laughs> And it was complicated. And that still sticks with me because it was such a, like it happened right at the same time. And so I don't know, but. Wow. Um, I, I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually remember being there. I was a student. Were you? Oh. Yeah. Cause I was at the table. <laughs> helping. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. And I was a freshman. <laughs> oh, I think I probably have a picture of this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I forget how long we've known you, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
actually when you when you're talking about church stuff it brought up a different memory involving similar people they came to hc3 and so they're checking things out and you and i were already working in ministry at the end of the conference our white male colleague communicated to us what this monk pastor said to him about being impressed with our conference and our ministry and making it feel like this is a legit ministry because you know we weren't working the church or we weren't overseas missionaries and i remember when they said that to me and then i like i just started crying i didn't expect to cry i i don't cry ever i mean i do but like barely cry <laughs> and then like this is me crying in front of like all of our colleagues <laughs> sitting around a table and i didn't realize how much my lack of affirmation hurt me but even then i mean afterwards we weren't really yeah <laughs> <laughs> they still didn't believe we were like legit leaders yeah. But I don't know if you remember that. Like, I just remember like, and I like really cried too. It wasn't like just wiping a couple of tears. I was like, I kind of ugly cried. <laughs> yeah. I remember that distinctly because I remember it provoked me to cry because I was like, <laughs> that hit me a different way. Because I wonder mm-hmm. if that was the the year that one of the Hmong pastors who actually does really support us and has mm-hmm. supported us for years. I think that was the year that he he made that like generational apology. I wonder if it was also that year. I could be No, wrong. no, that was an earlier year. Okay, well, yeah. but I still remember it being emotional too. It hit me a certain way too, but then to, to see you cry again, because I hardly ever see you cry. <laughs> I was like, oh no, like, <laughs> I, it made me think about a lot of things. But yeah, yeah. I, I remember mm-hmm. it distinctly. Yeah, like yeah. I don't think it was exactly like all feel good cry. Oh yeah, yeah. It was, I don't really know how to describe it. And maybe it was just like a part sadness, like, whoa, I, f- I finally feel affirmed, but I don't feel like I'm feeling joy. <laughs> yes. It's definitely not a celebratory. No. Yeah, it wasn't quite that. Oh no, it's definitely not that. Because it's coming <laughs> out of, I mean, it's coming out of like a, uh, like a posture of like, oh, I didn't even think you could. And yeah. you did. Oh. I feel, I feel like I've had a lot of moments like that where I would just start like ugly cry and weeping. And I wonder if it's like the years of feeling not seen or heard and oppressed. It's like the grief of that. Yeah. But with that said, like recalling all of these things, what are you guys currently learning now knowing what you know now about leadership? Two things come to mind for me that I've been experiencing the last couple of years. So the first thing I'll say is learning to let go um, and move on from my my roles as a leader um, mm. for myself. I always felt like I, I allowed myself to be in certain roles based on like my own desires, but also based on what the needs were. And then I'm always feeling like, oh, like at the right time, then I'll like move on or something to a different role. But I'm learning that I can't always wait for the right time. Like it just, mm. it won't ever feel like it's the right time. But then a lot of times I left because I felt like the role just wasn't a good fit for me anymore. I wasn't really growing anymore um, and wanting to be in a different role that was going to develop me and challenge me. And I always felt guilty for doing that. So it was like learning to let go and learning to not make my leadership by myself, basically, because I always felt like if I'm not around, then this ministry is going to collapse or something, (laughs) which isn't true. Like, uh, it's not up to me. So that's the first one um, is being able to do that and then the second thing that I thought of and maybe this might be similar to you Kathy kind of discovering yourself as a leader in your 30s but I'm 
I'm learning to embrace my leadership as a form of resistance. Like just the idea that I'm among women who's leading, like that minimally is some form of resistance, I think. Um, mm. And sort of like what I might have mentioned when we talked about starting this podcast too, was just, I didn't quite always feel like I was the person to lead other women or something. But I think just knowing that because of who I am, I actually can't lead in some spaces, but because I'm leading anyways, regardless of what other people think, my leadership is is doing something to dismantle those systems that um, prevent me from leading. So, Can you repeat the question one more time? Yeah. What are you currently learning about leadership? Currently, I feel like I am learning about rest. Um mm-hmm taking a little pause but i think in the rest i think it's actually harder to because like when you hold any leadership role there's a lot of like dependence on like what you do who you are to the people you're leading when you rest you take a pause from like that stuff for the doing and the being present um i think i'm learning to have faith in god that he's gonna show up um and it's actually really hard (laughs) um and i i also think it's part of like our society too we actually put way more faith in the things that we are doing and how we execute things and being present uh it takes more faith to take a pause and step away from that and to actually rest, to recharge and energize yourself and to take care of yourself and your relationship uh, with, with Jesus. And so I think I'm learning that and how actually important that is to my leadership um, and to process and to work through things I need to process and work through. Um, I think that's one thing I'm learning. I think the second thing I'm learning is to receive. Because I think, one, I'm... <laughs> just very natural I'm very self-sufficient and uh I have much more the mindset that I can like care well for other people and not a lot of people know how to care well for me or don't quite understand my needs uh as like um, a woman of color in full-time ministry the list goes on so I have a hard time receiving uh because a lot of times like oh like that works well for what you're trying to do it works well for this person this cookie cutter person um i need to go find my own way to do it <laughs> and mm-hmm. um in some ways that is true because i'm sometimes like i need different types of care i need to be carried well in certain ways so that's what i'm learning but i'm actually learning to receive it regardless and asking god to show me something in in the receiving and if it's just taking the faith to receive it um i think like putting my faith in god to receive it well and so uh Mm. receiving is not really my strong suit um (laughs) and so i think that's one thing i'm learning and and like owning the the gifts that god has given me and so uh recently like did pray did some prayer with God and some quiet time. That was really good and what I needed. But in that prayer time, like God actually like very like uh, directly gave me like things that symbolizes symbolized gifts that he, he gave me. He's like, you have to share this with other people. I'm like, Oh dang it. (laughs) 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 It felt really real. And I was like, okay. 
yes, it's it's mine that I'm supposed to give. Like, oh shoot, I can't screw this up now. <laughs> so that's how I felt walk, walking away from it. And so, but it felt good because when I was in that limbo, I was like, oh, I don't really know if I have it. I didn't mm. really own it, nor did I even use it well. But I think this is a difference between when you own your gifts well and you're stewarding it. I think that's mm. kind of where, like, what I've been processing is like, oh, maybe I need to own it so I can use it well instead of just kind of like tapping into it whenever I feel like, like out of scarcity mentality, like, oh no, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm going to try to do it now. And like, here, yeah, yeah God gave me this, so let me do it really quick. Or it's like, oh, like, what if I mastered it, the gift that mm. God has given me to use? Well, what if I used it well? Duh. But yeah, that's how I, that's what I'm learning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. I think this is a loaded question for me because I'm ending my sabbatical and I've had a lot to think about this. Mm. And I think I'm learning, well, one thing about leadership is I'm learning to to mourn, to lament. And I think that's like, I'm realizing that that's healthy because it takes a certain amount of vulnerability. And that takes courage to do as a leader. I think that we've been given, you know, the white male type leadership characteristics to that as a standard or an expectation to model after um, in general and also in the church, I'm realizing that in 10 years of full-time ministry, like one of the things that I've done is I've sucked it all up to be brave, to think that I'm brave, to, to not be vulnerable, to not be as emotional. And I think that I've sucked up a lot of grief and a lot of um, pain and I'm realizing that that's actually not healthy as a leader and that my vulnerability was actually a gift. And I'm learning, yeah, vulnerability and learning to mourn um, as like a spiritual discipline um, and that that's healthy and that's good as a leader for you to grow and for you to be able to um, lead others because it's healthy. I think the other thing is I'm I'm finally learning how to be me and bring my full self uh, to being a leader. I think that over the years, I've always tried to meet expectations that were given to me or that were, whether indirectly or directly, or I've always tried to meet expectations that I developed in my mind because of stereotypes or because of my pain. And I didn't tap into that. And so I didn't realize that I worked so hard not to to be a certain kind of way to be a certain kind of leader that actually wasn't really me and so i think i'm i'm learning to be myself um in all the the beauty and even in the flaws so that i can you know i can take risks fully and i can own up to mistakes and i can heal from pain and i can heal from mistakes and i can be genuine in asking for forgiveness and learning and um, growing and so yeah I think learning to lament and then also being myself fully um, I'm learning those things um, I think the both of you touched on this a little bit and so if you have more to add add more but if you don't um, like what is the impact of leadership on your faith or vice versa I think for me it they impact each other Leadership and my faith helps me understand who who I am, who I am, and then as I learn more about who I am as a person, I think it also impacts like my leadership mm-hmm. and my faith. 
and if i if i were to imagine a life where i wasn't a leader i don't think i would be the person i am today um and i don't think i would be where i am at with my faith today too because i think as i've grown it like my faith isn't like outgrow who i am as a person or even like my leadership it it just kind of like it was on the same trajectory and um if i didn't have all those aspects that i was growing in i don't think i would be the person who i am today and my faith wouldn't look the same if i didn't take leadership role if i didn't like pursue development in um if i didn't receive the things i did so yeah my response is very typical (laughs) nothing really like new or anything but um i mean i think it's just basic trust in god leadership is just so uncertain like there's just so much uncertainty in leadership. Uh, we definitely see that now in our current times. Um, mm-hmm. But I just can't predict what's going to happen. Like you could, you have some plans and you maybe have like some idea of where things can go, but I have to learn to adjust to changes that are outside my control in leadership. And then even like changes within society and culture and, and the people that I'm leading, um, all those things are impacting how I lead. And so I just don't know what that's going to look like and I have to learn. And so we're always leading in new spaces. Like it's always unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to be experiential in my leadership. I have to be discerning in my leadership. And that's that's just a lot of risk taking <laughs> that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, risk taking is something that's always scary for me. Um, but yeah, like I think learning to trust that if I fail or, I su- or if I succeed, um, God's got it. Like, I still worry like any normal human being does, but it's definitely helped me to have less anxiety about my work, about leadership. It helps me not to take everything personally or make it by myself, um, like how I used to. So, yeah. And I think that's been something in my faith that has grown over time as I reflect and think through my experiences as a leader. I agree with you a lot. Like... (laughs) That, that is exactly how I feel too because I feel like for the longest time, I don't even know when this took a turn, but for the longest time, I felt like what happened in my leadership was a result of my faith, which is not true at all. And so I think that faith has actually impacted my leadership a lot because it has taught me how to fail as well. Like it has taught me that like it's bigger than me and it's about me, but it's not about me at the same time. <laughs> And so I can take risks. Um, It's okay to fail. And it's not always, quote unquote, successful or fruitful or whatever it is um, that I can have the freedom to be creative. I can have the freedom to take risks. And that it it also has allowed me to learn how to be interdependent and more collaborative, Uh, not just with God, but like with other people, because... Um, and and then enjoy that process of leadership more because then it's like it's 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 not rested on me. Um, it's about what we can do together. And so, yeah, I agree with you. Like, it's it's learning how to trust not just God but one another for me. So, with that said, how would a Hmong woman develop her leadership? I think the obvious one is just to have mentors, and you don't have to limit yourself to one mentor. Um, a mentor can't fulfill everything for you. Um, so you're going to need mentors for maybe different areas of your leadership, maybe. Um, and if possible, learning from other people, other Hmong women, 
or other people who whose experiences can be maybe similar to yours uh, so that you can learn from um, how they've grown and what they um, know and and don't be afraid to ask people to be your mentor I think that's that seems kind of scary but it's it's flattering to other people if you ask them to be your mentor even if they can't I know it's like <laughs> might seem countercultural for us to do that but um but yeah don't be afraid to do that and if you're a leader don't be afraid to seek out people to mentor them as well too um and if you're not sure too you can ask other people if they know of anyone who would be willing to mentor you also if you can't find mentors read books I feel like authors are mentoring you indirectly. Read books about leadership, read books from authors, uh, other women of color. And if we're speaking to Christian women, (laughs) not all of your mentors have to be Christian. Not all the books you read have to be Christian type Mm. of books. Hopefully that helps expand (laughs) some options. Um, but, But like I said, like you don't need to have one mentor. You can have multiple mentors that can help you in different areas of your life. So mine was expand your thinking and Mm. your the questions you ask and like don't be afraid to reimagine um what where you are in your context um i do it all the time but reimagine what it could be i feel like Hmong women need Hmong christian women need a dream um Mm -hmm. of what could be because not a lot of things are made for Hmong christian women um so challenging like the thinking patterns the ways things are not because you hate them but just because some things just weren't made for your experience or didn't make weren't made to care for you or care for us well and so expand the thinking expand what you are exposing yourself to uh and actually ask questions like is this for me or is this for a different audience those aren't questions of doubt. Those are like real questions, <laughs> reality questions. Cause there's like the audience is sometimes not even for us. And so I keep repeating myself, but that's like, I think that's the point I want to make is that think beyond where you are and imagine, like don't be afraid to imagine what could be and to think differently and don't feel bad for thinking differently either. Yeah. Cause I think that's where we get stuck sometimes. And so, Oh, can I add something? Yes. Mm-hmm. Another thing um, is reflection. Uh, so reflecting on experiences, because um, that's how we learn. So I do feel like, in my experience working with people, some people just don't feel like they're qualified to to lead or to mentor other people. But I'm like, you've experienced it before, so I think you could contribute in some ways. But I think people just aren't really reflecting that much and mm-hmm. thinking like, thinking through what are their experiences and what they're learning from it. And so I think our lack of reflection is actually keeping us from actually growing. I would add, um, like, know your story and trust your voice that comes with reflection. Like, when you reflect, you start to know your story. You start to own your story. You start Mm -hmm. to trust your voice. And so the barrier of, is this good enough? Can this be? Is this possible? That barrier is shut down because you're able to own it. You're able to lead from it. You're able to use it. And I think that shuts down also like the the barrier of not being afraid of failing and not being afraid of not meeting expectations or not being afraid of whatever it is, like whatever fear it is that comes to mind when you want to do something or when you want to lead. And then the other thing is that like 
it allows you as you're taking risks, as you're um, trying to reimagine, like it leads you to be able to do a lot of different things. And so I would say cross cultures, right? Like Mm. we're not the only people on earth and being Hmong is beautiful and it's good. And that's why we need to own our story and know our story. But like we also learn so much about ourselves and so much about other people when we are able to cross cultures and not think that we have to stay within the Hmong culture and to only learn from the Hmong culture. So learn learn and be willing to cross cultures. And then, um, again, don't let the barriers stop you. Learn to be free and to create and to collaborate and to dream. Yeah, like you said, Ashley, like learn how to do all these things um, and be be willing to take these risks because it just allows for possibilities and opportunities and allows for things that we we don't even we can't even imagine right now and you won't be able to like discover those things unless you're willing to try unless you're willing to make mistakes so I feel like those are the things I would say in terms of developing your leadership I think something else I want to say too is knowing where you want to go where you want to be what are your goals yeah um and pursue those things it's okay to say no to things that aren't going to help you get to where you want to be so know what to say yes to what to say no to um i think oftentimes we we feel like we need to put ourselves last in leadership or like we just can't do things for ourselves in leadership but no like we we grow out of our leadership roles it's okay to move into different roles and make space for other people to come lead yeah i like that because not only as leaders, do we evolve as as humans, right? Like we evolve. And so it's okay that it's not linear and it's okay that it's not the same, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years from now because you're you're growing as a person and you're growing as a leader and you learn new things. And so it's not always going to feel like one big crescendo. Um, it's going to be a back and forth. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you fail as a leader or that you weren't good or whatever. It's just, it means you're growing. Even if your development and the things you struggle are different from others, like mm-hmm. that's also okay. If it's yeah. that's not even linear as well. And also, here's a thought, like the reflecting and looking forward and owning your story, it silences, when you interpret your own story, it silences what other people are trying, other people who are trying to tell your story. Yeah. It helps you own it even more, so... Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed your time with us, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. To stay up to date, follow us on Instagram at BTSS Podcast. See you in our next episode.